0: to this week's edition of the Worcester Talking Newspaper, recorded at Colin Chance house on Thursday the 12th of April. I'm Jenny Tansey, and with me reading the news are Hannah Green,
1: Kate Hudman, and Barney Burnham.
0: And we welcome Kate and Nigel back, um, sorry, not Kate, uh, Hannah and Nigel back after a month's holiday. We've really missed you. Um... Our copying team is Bernard and Doreen Potter and Janet Bailey. And again, Bernard has been um, very poorly, but I'm glad to say that he's now on the mend and coming in to copy for us tomorrow. And the administration is Carol Hartle. Thanks to Worcester News for all our information. The headlines this week are Taxi Firm Boss Dies at 32, Pickpockets Preyed on the Elderly, Mother Left in Flood Flat, So Is This Justice, Train Here as the Trains Pass, and Maggie's Legacy. And I'll start off with the obituaries. Paul Lowe passed away at home on March the 9th, age 42. The funeral service is at St. Wollaston's Church on April the 17th at 2.30, followed by the committal at Worcester Crematorium. Margaret Stratford passed away peacefully on March the 18th, aged 85. Funeral service is at Worcester Crematorium on April the 24th at 11.30. Marion Bridget Waugh passed away peacefully on March the 19th, aged 95. Funeral service is at St. George's Roman Catholic Church on April the 17th at 10am, followed by the internment at St. John's Cemetery. Margaret, known as Margot Bullock, passed away peacefully on March the 17th, aged 83. The funeral service is on April the 24th at St Mary de Winch at 11 a.m., followed by a cremation at Worcester Crematorium at 12.15. Marvis Day passed away in hospital on March the 23rd, aged 88. Funeral services at Worcester Crematorium on April the 18th at 10 a.m. Maureen Edith, known as Mo Lee, sorry, um, Edith Lee Nay Hubbard, passed away at home, age seventy-nine, on March the twenty-second. The funeral service is at Worcester Crematorium on May the fourth at two thirty. Doreen Lower, that's L-O-U-G-H-E-R. I'm not sure how she pronounced that. Passed away on April the fifth. The funeral service is at Worcester Crematorium on May the second at two thirty. Stuart Lyndon Mason passed away on March the 3rd. Funeral services on April the 27th at Worcester Crematorium at 2.30. Royston Keith Middleton passed away at home on March the 10th, aged 71. Celebration of his life is at Worcester Crematorium on April the 25th at 10am. Trevor Pest- uh, Preston passed away on March the 12th, aged eighty six. Funeral services at Worcester Crematorium on April the twelfth at ten forty-five. Philip Radcliffe, known as Phil, of Longdale Drive, passed away at home on March the eleventh, age sixty-one. Funeral services at Worcester Crematorium on April the eighteenth at two thirty. Margaret Smith passed away in hospital on March the twenty-first, age seventy-two. The funeral is at Worcester Crematorium on April the seventeenth at four p.m. Millicent Gertrude Steele, known as Molly. Former nursing officer and midwife of wrongswood Hospital passed away on March the 29th at St Richard's Hospice, aged 89. The funeral is at Worcester Crematorium on 11th of May at 1:45. Elizabeth Davies, known as Liz, passed away in hospital on March the 15th, aged 60. Service of Thanksgiving on April the 19th at United Reform Church, Albury Terrace, Worcester, at 1 p.m. Doreen Douglas passed away on March the 21st, age 76. The funeral is at Worcester Crematorium, April the 19th at 1 p.m. Eric Greenfield of Ombusley passed away at home on April the 1st, age 90. Funeral service is at Chadsley Corbett on April the 19th at 2.30, followed by the interment at the church courtyard, uh, sorry, at the churchyard. Donald Macbeth, known as Don, passed away at Worcester Hospital on March the 10th, age 60. Funeral services on April the 26th at 1.15 at Worcester Crematorium. June Rose Newman, née Stew, ex-Sainsbury's, passed away at Worcester Royal Hospital on March the 18th, age 77. The funeral services at Worcester Crematorium on April the 30th at 2.30. Dorothy Townsend, ex-Kays and Co., passed away at Alexandra Hospital in Redditch, on February the 28th, aged 85, the funeral service is at Worcester Crematorium on April the 20th at one forty five. Veronica Warner, known as Vi, passed away on March the 30th, aged 89. The funeral service is at Worcester Crematorium on April the 19th at 9.15. I'll pass you over now to Hannah for the first headline.
2: And this is from Friday, April the 6th. Taxi firm boss dies aged 32. Tributes have been paid to a popular taxi firm boss and beloved dad who died suddenly while attending his sister's wedding in Pakistan, aged just 32. Seamus Hussain of Battenhall Road, Worcester, died in his sleep from a heart attack on Wednesday morning. He was the manager at Central Taxis, Worcester, which is owned by his father, Najabat Ali. Seamus' brother Kam Hussein said, I would like to say he was a very caring, bubbly soul and he has touched many hearts. He'll be missed by many and forever live on in our hearts and thoughts. He was very popular and known by a lot of people. Worcester City Councillor Ala Ditta said, I knew the young man very well. All the family were back in Pakistan, he went for his sister's wedding, he slept fine and then in the morning they found him passed away. My children are slightly older than him, it's heartbreaking. Councillor Dittau added that the death was particularly sad because of Seamus' age and the fact he was attending a wedding. Mohammed Iqbal, General Secretary of Worcester Central Mosque in Tallow Hill, said, I know the family quite well. They are community members and regular attendees at the church, at the mosque. They have been here for a long time. It's a shock when you lose someone that young within the community. Daniel Second, a friend of Seamus, wrote on Facebook, I've just heard what's happened. I spoke to you two days ago telling me how much fun you're having and that I'll see you Friday. We never made that last link-up. My brother, you're gone, but never forgotten in my heart. My love goes to you and all your family. A truly great man, rest in peace, my brother. Seamus is survived by his parents, wife, two daughters and his brother. The headline for Saturday, April 7th,
1: Pickpockets preyed on the Elderly. Cunning, professional pickpockets who preyed on Worcester's elderly could be deported back to Romania. Tabita Mihay and Florica Stan carried clipboards while posing as charity workers, hugging their elderly victims while lifting cash from wallets and purses. Between them, they stole £1,470, often without their victims noticing the cash was missing until later. The defendants would split the stolen cash using it to pay for food, rent, clothing and other bills. However, Stan stole a further £890 taking Christmas money from a retired woman in Worcester. The thefts happened between January 11th and January 25th this year causing what the judge described as real trauma to the victims. Both women were sentenced at Worcester Crown Court on Thursday. Mihai appeared via video link from prison and Stan in the dock. They admitted a string of distraction thefts, some in Worcester and some in Droitwich. Recorder Alan Maines said if he jailed the mothers for more than 12 months, they could be deported. He asked that their papers be brought to the attention of the Home Office and that necessary steps be taken, if appropriate, to send them back to Romania. Mihay, age nineteen, of Ermington Crescent, Birmingham, admitted five thefts and one attempted theft. Stan, age twenty-five, also of Ermington Crescent, Birmingham, admitted six thefts and one attempted theft. Sally Cairns, prosecuting, said Stan alone was involved in the first of the thefts in Worcester on December first, twenty sixteen. Retired Angela Pearson withdrew £890 from NatWest at the cross for Christmas presents, putting the cash in an envelope in her handbag. CCTV from NatWest showed Stan watching Mrs Pearson and following her to cookmate. Mrs Pearson even held the door open for Stan as she entered the shop. Miss Ken said the defendant is shown on CCTV following Mrs Pearson around the shop. Mrs Pearson describes, whilst in that shop, being bumped into quite hard. That was the defendant. When she re- when she returned home, she realised her cash was missing. Miss Cairns summarised a statement for Mrs Pearson. She said, She says how she felt such a fool. She felt sullied and affronted. She put the money safely away, and she can't believe someone would take it from her. She was reluctant to tell her family, it has affected her confidence in that she is much more careful when she goes out and questions her independence. The money Stan's stole had been withdrawn so Mrs Pearson could buy Christmas presents. Another theft happened in Droitwich on January the 11th when the pair stole £300 from Barbara Churchill in supermarket Morrison's. They had clipboards and claimed they were collecting for charity when they hugged her, taking the cash from a purse in the top of her handbag. On January 22nd, both women claimed they were collecting for a deaf charity in Worcester when they tried to steal £80 from retired Monica Gardner who was shopping in the city with her sister. She spotted one of the women with her hand in her sister's purse. On January 23rd, Brian Broadbent had £200 stolen from his wallet in Tamworth. Again, the women were posing as charity workers with clipboards, distracting him by asking for identification. Using the same pretense, they also stole £720 from an 82-year-old man on January 22nd and £50 from another victim on January 22nd. The pair repeated the scam on January 25th, stealing £200 from a man's wallet, distracting him by asking him for some identification. Ranjit Lally, for Mihai, said his client was a mother of two who came to the UK aged 11. She went back to Romania at 15 and returned to the UK when she was 18. Mr Lally said Mihai had an application Patients pending for benefits, but they had been pending for some time. He told the court she had worked selling the big issue, and once had a packaging job. He added, She was told about the pickpocketing pocketing scam when begging on the streets, and initially refused. She became desperate and joined the Enterprise. He said she was genuinely remorseful. Mohammed Riaz for Stan said the mother of three had had a difficult upbringing but wanted a proper job and had worked in the past. He said the financial reward for those employments was not sufficient to meet the financial requirements of taking care of the children. Recorder Maines described both defendants as consummately successful pickpockets. He said these are serious offences carried out with more than a simple degree of cunning taking advantage of elderly people on the streets. God knows what the sentence in in Romania is for something like that, but substantially more than it is in the UK. Over a short period of time, you preyed on elderly people in the street, pretending to be begging in some cases or simply pickpocketing them on others. It's clear you are both practiced and efficient pickpockets. So accomplished are you at this, you are able to part substantial sums of money, substantial as far as the losers are concerned, from them, without them even realising until afterwards that the money has gone, sometimes from the wallet without the wallet as a whole being taken. You were doing this over and over again. It is clear that each of these people suffered real trauma as a result of them having money stolen from them by you. The judge jailed Stan for 16 months and Mihai for 12 months. Three further counts of theft against the defendants, which they both denied, will
3: lie on file. The headline on Monday the April the 9th, Mother Left in Flood Flat. A mum of two has been left with a flooded flat and no running water or cooker for several weeks and says the Housing Association is dragging its heels about helping her. Emma Smith said her boiler blew up just prior to the heavy snow and cold snap last month, with the resultant leak breaking her cooker and leaving her without heating. Then the 32-year-old of Woodhouse Close, Diglis, discovered the waste pipe under her bath was leaking, meaning water was flooding out under the floorboards across the entire flat. She lives in a flat managed by Orbit and says the Housing Association has failed to respond to the problems quickly enough. Workmen were due to attend the property on Monday, Miss Smith said. So now Orbit have left me in a stinking flat with no water, no cooking and a pile of rotten flooring, she told the Worcester News. During this so-called beast from the east, Miss Smith was left in sub-zero temperatures without heating or hot water after her boiler blew up and Orbit took three weeks to get it repaired, she claims. The mum said her boiler had been making a banging noise prior to breaking with all other residents' flats having had brand new replacements fitted as her model is out of date. Miss Smith said the engineers then smashed my kitchen wall apart to put a new boiler flue in before leaving the thermostat in the box having not actually fixed the leak. After noticing another leak and having lifted up a couple of floorboards in her kitchen, she found an absolute puddle and a surveyor discovered that the waste pipe under her bath has dropped down. ''Every time I have a shower or a bath, the water's emptying straight out under the flat, covering the whole surface of the flat,'' Miss Smith explained. ''The flat was flooded. All the flooring is wrecked. My sofa, which cost £1,500, is completely ruined. There's black mould everywhere.'' ''The flood was reported on Good Friday.'' But Miss Smith says that Orbit told her that it couldn't be assessed until Monday, April the 9th. I'm told the cooker was gifted and Orbit won't repair it, even though it was their boiler that caused the problem, she said. Miss Smith has therefore been without cooking facilities for six weeks and is currently forced to shower at friends' homes. Her two children don't live with her full time and she's opting to spend more time with family until the repairs are made. She said, I wouldn't leave a dog there. The Worcester News approached Orbit for a comment. However, the Housing Association did not respond before Monday's edition went to print.
0: The headline for Tuesday, April the 10th. So is this justice? Police have issued hundreds of cautions to people in possession of Class A drugs in Worcestershire since 2011. Officers handed out 445 cautions across the county between January 2011 and March 2018, with 171 issued in Worcester alone. The figures were released following a Freedom of Information request and cover both possession and possession with intent to supply. Peter Hitchens, a Mail on Sunday columnist and anti-drugs campaigner, responded to the statistics by claiming that police are not bothered about possession. But Inspector Tony Garner, head of the West Midland police team targeting drug gangs, believes the force's focus should be on dealers, not users. He added, It's the drug dealers who wake up each day and choose to trade in the misery of others' addiction. They are the ones who bring weapons, violence and the exploitation of vulnerable adults and children to the streets of Worcester. There is no set policy on whether someone is cautioned or charged. Each case needs to be individually considered. If, for example, it's the first time an individual has been caught with drugs and they acknowledge they have a problem and are seeking help, then we have to ask whether it's in the public interest to put them before a court as opposed to cautioning them. There are a number of factors at play here, including the decision to make a police officer off the streets, sorry, to take a police officer off the streets for several hours to complete a case file for court. Inspector Garner's team is working under the banner of Operation Blade and has been responsible for arresting sixty-six dealers since September. However, Mr. Hutchins said, the general attitude towards possession on the part of the police is that they don't bother with it. It's now been more than 14 years since police and courts gave up any serious attempt to prosecute possession of drugs. This started with cannabis and has now moved on to the so-called harder drugs. The public should be under no illusion that this is a grave mistake. The drug trade, the drug trade is keeping going by the money put into it by illegal drug abusers. The police and the court should enforce the law of England – which is that possession of drugs is a serious offence which can lead to a prison sentence. Mr Hutchins, author of The War We Never Fought, the British establishment's surrender to drugs, added that there have been high-profile cases where individuals such as Pete Doherty and Hans Rousing have avoided jail for possession of Class A drugs. He said he was not surprised by the figures and believes there is a strong correlation between drug abuse and violent crime. The data released by West Mercia Police shows that Worcestershire's officers have issued 232 cautions for possession of cocaine, 83 for heroin, 41 for MDMA, and 22 for crack cocaine since 2011. In Worcester, officers handed out 76 cautions for cocaine, 34 for heroin, 20 for MDMA and 13 for crack cocaine. Police also gave up cautions for possession of other Class A drugs and possession with intent to supply. Anyone with information about suspicious activity in their neighborhood can ring police on 101 or anonymously call Crime Stoppers on 0800 555
2: 111. And on Wednesday, April the 11th, the headline was Train Here as the trains pass. A unique gym has opened in a railway arch in Worcester and it aims to help get customers on track to a life of fitness. Some of the equipment at Fix, sorry, Fit360 Rise, which opened this week in one of the units in Netherton Court, looks as much heavy metal as the tracks above carrying trains to Fourgate Street. But the owner of the gym, John Clark, says there's nothing to be afraid of. He's designed the centre to be as welcoming to nervous newcomers as much as it is to hardened fitness fanatics. John said he has designed Rise as a complement to the gym. Fit 360, he already runs at Shrub Hill. We wanted to offer something a bit different. This is one-to-one training with a trainer and very small groups. We wanted to put a gym very near to the centre of the city so that people can use it as part of their day. We wanted to make it easy for people to come in before work or at lunchtime or before they set off for home. Rather than being open for customers to turn up at any time, like a large commercial gym, RISE has specific bookable sessions so that numbers in the small space are kept manageable. There are specific lunchtime express sessions of 45 minutes at 12.15 and 1pm to allow workers to get away from their desk and get some exercise. But, John says, don't be afraid if you haven't been to a gym before or for a long time. He added, people sometimes feel they have to get in shape before they go to a gym because they'll feel embarrassed or they'll be laughed at because they don't know what they're doing. That's not us at all. We are very friendly and supportive, whether you're new or nervous or are a regular at the gym. We aim to make it a really enjoyable experience. If people enjoy themselves, then they are more likely to come back and make it part of their routine, rather than if they have to force themselves. Exercise plans are tailored by the coaches and instructors to individual customers' needs and include both weights and cardiovascular exercise. John said, all our training uses weight training in some form. We'll give full instruction and support for those who've never lifted weights before, And there's cardio equipment as well to give an all-round workout. There's a seminar session to discuss programs with the coaches. Rise is open four days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday and Saturday, and has specific bookable sessions running 45, 60 or 90 minutes. As the gym has just opened, it's offering new customers an unlimited, unlimited trial month. For more information, to ask questions or to book a session, visit https forward slash forward slash fit hyphen dot UK forward slash rise forward slash. The headline for Thursday,
1: April the 12th, Maggie's Legacy. A couple have raised thousands of pounds so that other parents won't have to endure the ordeal of hearing a newborn cry next door as they cradle their own stillborn child. Stuart and Maria Grennan were heartbroken to hear another baby born in the room next door at Worcestershire Royal Infirmary as they came to terms with the news that their daughter Maggie would be stillborn. They decided to raise money to soundproof delivery suites at the hospital after their traumatic experience. The couple said that the moment would stay with them forever and they set up Maggie's legacy to stop other parents suffering, raising 18000 in the process. Mrs Grennan of Waveney Road, Droitwich said... We were having to manage the heartbreak of the news Maggie would be born asleep when we heard the sound of a baby being born, which is a lovely sound, but in our situation it was traumatic. It will stay with us for the rest of our lives. I don't think we will ever forget it. If we can help one set of parents to not have that, it would be amazing. Maggie's stillbirth was just heartbreaking. It was just such a horrible shock as there is no way we could have prepared for it. We are so proud of Maggie for what she has achieved and and my parents, Phil and Lynn Johnson, want to pass on their pride. We hope the money can go to soundproofing the delivery suites or training staff. Even now, we still have visitors from bereavement staff and they have been with us every step of the way. They have been absolutely brilliant, so any help in training more staff or getting them more equipment, whatever they want to do with the money, we are there and we are over the moon that so much money has been raised, it has almost doubled our target. The couple, whose baby Maggie was stillborn in December last year, handed the cheque to the Worcestershire Royal Hospital bereavement staff. Money has been raised through events such as a barn dance at Six Way Stadium, which brought in £8,000, and individual raffles from family and friends. To donate, visit JustGiving.com slash crowdfunding slash Maggie's Legacy. Worcestershire Acute Hospitals NHS Trust are still fundraising for a bereavement suite. A spokesman said, We know from the conversations we have with parents how important these facilities are, a space for mothers, partners and families to go, away from the noise and bustle of the nearby maternity ward. We are very fortunate to have already received huge support from the local community and we are very grateful to Mr and Mrs Grennan for their support at such a difficult time. We are looking to raise a total of £60,000 so that we can go ahead with the work required to provide an additional suite as soon as possible.
3: A window at a Worcester social club had to be boarded up after a car struck the building. The incident happened at Archdale 73 Club, Windermere Drive, Warndon. It's understood that the damage has caused one of the club's skittle alleys to be put out of action. Firefighters were called to the scene of the crash where they ensured that the car was safe. An ambulance was also called out to the scene, although there were no injuries as a result of the crash, which happened at around 8.25pm on Sunday, April 1st. The building was subsequently examined and pronounced to be safe. When contacted, the club declined to comment on the crash. However, Peter Wilding of the Worcester and District Skittles League said, ''I'd heard that someone had reversed by accident into Alley 1. It would only affect the team that played on that one. Good job they have two alleys. So really it would affect it, but we're now at the end of the season, so not as much. They'd find alternative alleys to finish the campaign.'' Archdale's football club was formed in 1926 by factory workers from the Birmingham-based Archdale Machine Tool Company. In 1926, the factory relocated to Worcester. During this time, other sporting clubs were formed, including cricket, tennis and bowling. In the late 1950s, the Archdale family sold their interests to Staveley Machine Tools. By 1972, Staveley closed Archdales, despite having made profits of £3 million. In 1973, the workers bought the club and the current building was opened a few years ago.
0: Paramedics were forced to... D- paramedics were forced to ditch their ambulance and travel to an emergency on foot because of a parked car. Resident Alex Godwin said paramedics had to carry their equipment to a property in Volgonia Avenue in Worcester. He said a Vauxhall Corsa blocked the ambulance from entering his street at around 7.15 on Sunday night. The paramedics were called to the scene at 6.38pm uh, and took a woman to Worcestershire Royal Hospital for treatment. Mr Goodwin, aged 28, said, I can only apologise to the ambulance service who had to dump their vehicle. The courser, which is parked at the bottom, has its hazard lights flashing, but when me and a couple of other neighbours knocked on doors, nobody answered. The ambulance maybe could have squeezed round on the pavement, but it would have scratched the van on the bushes. Also, I'm not sure whether going up on the pavement would have knocked precarious equipment in the back. Either way, they shouldn't have to do that because of some inconsiderate people. Mr Goodwin added that the paramedics left at about 8.10, shortly followed by the Vauxhall Corsa, which departed at around 8.13.
2: An ornament used to decorate a table at dinners for army reserves has turned out to be a rare Fabergé flower worth one million pounds. Fans of Antiques Roadshow can tune in the show this Sunday to see the flower become only the third item to be valued at a six-figure in the show's 40-year history. Now, I haven't got the date for this, but that might have been last Sunday, but then it should be on iPlayer if you wanted to see this item. So, The precious jewel owned in trust by the Worcestershire Yeomanry Charitable Trust was taken in by Colonel Stamford Cartwright on behalf of the B Staffordshire, Warwickshire and Worcestershire Squadron of the Royal Yeomanry last summer, and he said he was over the moon to discover its value. He said, because you grew up with it and tend to treat it as part of the furniture, the regiment has some huge silver pieces which absolutely tower over this little thing. He said the object was a focal point for the members of the regiment and current serving soldiers. He said it forms a bond for comrades right the way through from the 1900s. The gold, diamond and jade object will appear in the first episode of the new series. The show's jewellery expert, Geoffrey Munn, described his pulse was racing at the sight of the flower. He said this was a sensation beyond our wildest dreams, really. This is a towering masterpiece from Fabergé. The ornament was gifted to the squadron, then known as the Queen's Own Worcestershire Hussars, in 1904 by Georgina, Countess of Dudley, the wife of Lord Dudley, the second in command of the regiment.
1: Plans to turn a house into a children's home may go ahead, despite residents' concerns about unruly youngsters. A planning application for the redevelopment of maythen House in Jenit Tree Lane, Callow End, was rejected, in part because of the remoteness of the property. Residents were also worried the home would result in thefts, trespassing and injuries to children and animals. However, Dale Firkins of Solace for Children, who wants to transform the site into a home for four children and nine staff, has appealed to the Malvern Hills District Council's decision. Mr. Firkins hopes to help address the critical shortage of accommodation for vulnerable youngsters across the county. District Councillor Elaine Newman, who represents the area, said, I think more children's homes are needed, but it needs to be in the correct place, with proper planning permission. Where they are, they need a a car. The bus doesn't go down Janitary Lane. If you needed to take the children out to go to school, for example, you would need a car as you won't be able to access public transport. If they wanted to go to the swimming pool, they have no bus that runs there. A planning statement submitted as part of the application stated that the County Council currently provides 43 beds in 10 homes for looked-after children in Worcestershire. It added, it is therefore self-evident that there is a critical shortage of accommodation for the 600-plus vulnerable children in Worcestershire who require care. The decision report on the application said the development would result in an increased traffic due to the lack of local transport services. The report added the site was not near sustainable transport links, shops or leisure and community facilities. It also noted that the applicant had already damaged the character of the area, with sources claiming he has already created an access route and destroyed a hedge at the site. Ofsted found that Worcestershire County Council's children's services were inadequate last year. Councillors voted to form a company to run local children's services
3: last month. A butcher-turned-burglar broke into a house after a booze and cocaine binge before making off in a stolen car while a family slept. Paul Gill raided the house in St John's Worcester but left his fingerprints at the scene. The 29-year-old of Drake Avenue dines green and his accomplice stole cash, a wallet, a television, a PlayStation 4 games console, a rucksack, bank cards and the keys to a Nissan Primera, which was driven away with Gill as the passenger. Gill already stood convicted of burglary, fraud, use of the stolen bank cards, and allowing himself to be carried when he was sentenced at Worcester Crown Court on Friday. The owner of the house and her son and daughter were present during the burglary on February the 23rd. The raid was discovered when they woke up next morning. Paul Whitfield, prosecuting, said Gill had entered through a window where he left his fingerprints. The value of the items stolen, excluding the car, was placed at £530. The bank cards were used fraudulently in stores in Worcester from around 8am the next day to the value of £88.89. pence. Shop CCTV was used to identify Gill and another man whom Mr Whitfield did not name. Police found the Nissan parked in Drake Avenue and Gill was arrested. In interview, Gill denied any part in the enterprise, but later admitted it. Aside from the car, nothing taken in the burglary was recovered. Mr Whitfield said the owner-occupier spoke about the effect of the burglary upon her. She says now, as a result of this intrusion, she feels very unsafe in her own home. He described Gill as having a gamut of offences recorded against him, including possession of a knife, battery, harassment, aggravated vehicle-taking and resisting a constable. Sam Lambsdale, for Gill, said there was limited damage or disturbance during the burglary and described a pre-sentence report prepared by the probation service on her client's behalf as favourable. Miss Lambsdale said he'd been drinking and taking cocaine for two days, which is no excuse whatsoever. When I asked him why he'd gone on this binge, he said everything got on top of him. His ex-partner had prevented him seeing his children for a considerable period of time. She said he'd been helping a butcher in Worcester, working up to 16 hours per week, although he'd been signed off with depression and stress. Gill had also made contact with Swanswell, the national alcohol and drug charity. Miss Lamsdale handed up a letter from Gill's partner to the judge, which he read before passing sentence. Recorder Alan Maines said the letters written on Gill's family were articulate, written by educated people who were clearly fond of him and saw good in him, which these courts never have. He added of Gill's partner, One wonders how a sensible woman like this lady gets involved with a man like this. I suppose people might say the same about my wife being involved with me. There's obviously some good in him. Recorder Maines asked Gill to get support for his long-standing mental health problems from a GP, which said may well have been triggered by something in your childhood. However, he said Gill's record was appalling and added, ''Just think what it's like for that family to come down in the morning and find there's been somebody in their house. It's a very upsetting thing to happen. It may well happen to you sometime.'' the judge imposed an 18-month jail sentence suspended for two years. Gill must complete 40 days of rehabilitation activities and the Thinking Skills Programme. He was placed on an electronically monitored curfew for two months, which will run between 7pm and 7am daily.
0: A nursing home's controversial plans to expand next door have been rejected by councillors due to fears regarding the detrimental impact on a neighbouring family. A petition launched in opposition to an application for four extra rooms to Corbett House in Droitwich was signed by 118 local residents, including immediate neighbours, immediate neighbour Jason Waithes. At present the nursing home in Corbett Avenue is next door but one to Mr. Waith's, who lives in a semi-detached property with his children. In a statement, he said his family already suffers through a great deal of noise due to distressed patients as well as ambulances and staff coming and going. One recent episode involved an elderly woman screaming help me through the day and the night for several days, he said. Speaking at a Wychhaven District Council Planning Committee meeting on Thursday, Councillor Bob Brooks said that the level of noise would be intolerable and especially frightening for young children if the plan was approved. If this was a detached house, the situation might be different. It's unreasonable and unfair to inflict this on the other half of the house. Nina Nagra, Home Partner and Manager, assured committee members that if noise became an issue then additional soundproofing would be added in the walls. Although elderly Poorly people would make far less noise than a family of six with small children, she added. Councillor Brooks said that he has concerns that it's just some wishy-washy kind of promise regarding further insulation. We've heard vague assurances about putting in noise insulation and so forth, yet we have no figures about what sort of level of sound a dementia patient produces, what sort of conductivity of the wall would be. Councillor Tony Miller said, soundproofing is only achievable on a new build. On a build like this, you've got the roof trusses continuing because of the way the building has const- was constructed. You will always get a transference of noise. I say that as an o- acoustic engineer. Nine members voted in favour of Councillor Brook's proposal to reject the application due to the adverse imp- fact, sorry, impact on the quality of life and amenities on the waves.
2: Don't forget that a busy city centre road is set to close this weekend for flood prevention works. Drivers can expect some delays and disruption as New Road, Worcester, will be closed from 8pm on Friday, April the 13th to 6am on Monday, April the 15th. A localised diversion will be used for the first time ever in this area, taking vehicles heading towards St John's from the city centre into a single lane over the bridge and then right north down Hilton Road and then left west along Tybridge Street. Traffic going eastwards into the city from St John's will be restricted to one lane until the start of the bridge although there will be two lanes kept open over the bridge as usual. It means traffic may be moving both ways along Hilton Road and Highbridge Street. Pedestrians and dismounted cyclists will still be able to use new Road throughout the closure. John Fraser, head of Worcestershire County Council's highways, said, I want to make people aware of the changes. All local businesses affected by these changes will be able to be accessed as usual. There will be full access to both the Premier Inn and Tybridge Street car, car parks during the weekend. Whilst I expect traffic to be very busy and some delays will be inevitable... These temporary arrangements will keep a route across the bridge open in both directions, avoiding the need for westbound traffic to be diverted via Carrington Bridge. The 1.2 million works will raise a 200-metre stretch of new road by 15 inches. City workers and residents have taken to social media to vent their frustration after the announcement was made by Worcester County Council on Tuesday, Tuesday, April
1: the third. Well, these frustrated motorists perhaps can listen to this story then. Crumpets and coffee do not seem natural partners for those who like to stick to established British food traditions, but Worcester coffee shop owner Mark James has paired these two as an attention-grabbing duo that brings together quintessential English Englishness with contemporary America. For many years, Mark, who lives in Beaudley, has wanted to run a coffee shop. He just loves coffee, and now his dream has come true. Crumpets and Coffee opened in Angel Street a few months ago and offers a unique blend of coffee done to his own taste. He is quick to point out that there are other drinks available, tea, although he doesn't drink it himself, hot chocolate and a range of cold drinks, but you won't find any of the well-known mass-produced fizzy drinks available elsewhere. James uses drinks and food producers and suppliers he knows personally and trusts. There are also more choices of snack. Cakes and brownies are among the selection, complementing the crumpets, and those who don't get a chance to grab breakfast before rushing off to work or college in the morning can get cereals and a drink to set them up for the day. James hopes to extend the range of snacks in the future. Before pursuing his coffee dream, James had worked in aquatic outlets selling tropical fish for 20 years and his background in customer service is standing him in good stead to run his coffee shop. I loved selling tropical fish and I love customer service. There is nothing better than someone coming into the shop and chatting to them, he said. I knew it was my dream to open a coffee shop about 10 years ago and for the past five years it became an obsession. He chose Worcester for his business because it is a university city and the closest large urban area. He said it also feels a bit like his roots as his grandparents lived in Piddle, which is quite close to Worcester. He said the city has some fantastic independent coffee shops as well as the large chains and they all have their own place. But he is offering something a bit different for people who really care about their coffee. In fact, there doesn't seem to be much James doesn't know about the plant and the drink. I love coffee so much. It is fascinating how it is roasted and how it is made. He admits he is constantly dragging his wife around cities and towns to find the next exciting independent coffee shop. This fanaticism doesn't just stop in the UK either. Much of our hard-earned holiday spending money is spent in some strange market abroad in a tiny independent, sampling their stunning concoctions, he said. To date, we have not been able to find anywhere that has a coffee culture quite like Budapest. Although James has his own personal views about how to serve different styles of coffee, he is happy to tailor drinks to individual tastes, such as more hot water in an Americano or a bigger version of a cappuccino, and it won't cost a penny
3: more. Moving from liquid to more solid sustenance, a social media savvy butcher has shot to local fame by giving away free meat on Facebook. Michael Jacob, the owner of D&M Meats, presents live giveaways on Facebook twice a week at his shop in Weir Lane in Worcester. Mr Jacob can be seen pacing up and down the store in the videos, speaking to the camera while holding various packets of meat. In the broadcast, he encourages viewers to post comments such as, I want that chicken and I want that beef in order to win prizes. One live broadcast last Wednesday received more than 19,000 views and 5,500 comments. Mr. Jacob, aged 43 from Rushwick near Worcester, said, It's never thought out. We start filming and it goes from there. There's always someone in the shop when we do it. It's getting people to come back into butcher shops to buy the meat, rather than going to a chain and throwing it in the trolley like a tin of beans. The live videos, we've only just started. I've been in everyone, pretty much. No one else seems to want to do it. A lot of people, when I go somewhere, say, I recognise you from somewhere. We do Wednesday and Friday giveaways. We'll have given away about a tonne of meat in the last five weeks. Mr Jacobs said he and a colleague pick random names from the comments section to select the winners. He added that people are over the moon when they visit the shop to claim their free cuts. The weekly giveaways started with Mr Jacobs' first Facebook Live broadcast about five weeks ago. He's using the money he previously spent on Facebook advertising to cover the cost of the meat lost in the giveaways. He added, we're giving away £300 of meat a week. That's a lot less than we were spending in advertising and it gets people into the shop. Mr Jacobs said he will stop the broadcasts when they no longer excite viewers d and meets will also offer giveaways at its new shop in Hereford which will open in the next 4 to 5 weeks. Some of Mr. Jacob's live videos can be found on https wwwfacebookcom DM. that's uppercase D lowercase and uppercase M-meets with capital M Followed by forward slash. Or one of his videos can be found on the Worcester News website, www.woosternews.co.uk.
0: A gym has closed suddenly, leaving members out of pocket and instructors unpaid for months. Yoga instructor Fiona Whitehead was told fitness space in Droitwich had closed by a fellow teacher on Friday and is yet to hear from the gym regarding non payments. Mrs. Whitehead, who taught two hot yoga classes a week at the gym in St. Andrew's Square Shopping Centre, said she was owed around £200 for eight classes. I teach yoga full-time, so I do classes in a lot of venues, she said. I was approached by them about six months ago to teach there. I've had trouble with payments with fitness space since Christmas. Alarm bells did start to ring because they kept saying that something was going on with their payment system, and I didn't really believe that. On Friday, I had a phone message from one of the other instructors of the gym, and she said she was told by one of the members that the gym had closed and there was a sign on the door. She also was owed money for nine Pilates classes. They didn't contact us, and they never let us know. Mrs Whitehead said that whilst her yoga classes were open to non-members... The gym was also allowed the public to buy 10 sessions at a time, meaning many have already forked out on sessions they are not able to take part in. One of the members of my yoga class said she had enjoyed it so much she signed up for another 10 lessons only a couple of weeks ago, she added. They must have known for some time that something was up. I can't imagine it just happened overnight. They must have known something was up and yet they still took her money. They should have said no. I feel really bad for the members and the lovely people that came to my classes. It's a shame because it was such a really good class and was well attended. As Mrs Whitehead continued to ask for the payment for her eight classes, she said other signs showed the gym was not in a good position. They suddenly had no internet in the gym and my husband said that it wasn't a good sign, she said. Fitness Space in Droidwood has deleted its website Facebook page and Twitter account. The gym has not returned any calls and has and was unable for co- sorry unavailable for comment. St Andrews Square was also unavailable for comment.
2: And now we've got a few items of sports, first of all, cricket. Paceman Josh Tung aims to build on the success of his first year of senior cricket with Worcestershire. The Academy product took 47 wickets and played all 14 county championship matches in 2017. He shook off back problems and earned call-ups into the ECB PACE program and the England Lions training camp in Australia. An ankle injury forced tongue to withdraw from the West Indies tour, but his back, bowling, a- aiming to gain again, play a whole campaign and reach the 50-wicket mark. The county begin their return to the top flight at Hampshire tomorrow in Southampton at 11 a.m. Tongue said, I'd say I'm 100% now. I'm back bowling fully, so it's been about getting overs into my legs before the first game of the season. It was annoying to pick up the ankle injury because I was going to go to the West Indies with the Lions for the Red Bull stuff, which would have been amazing. But now this is a big season for me with Division 1 cricket. It means my name is in the hat now and if they, that is England, do need a bowler, they know what I'm capable of. We bowled at the England players in the nets in Brisbane and Perth, people like Alastair Cook, Mark Stoneman and all the test players. Tongue continued, naturally there are better players in Division 1 cricket and hopefully I can bowl like last year and the raw- rewards will come. That is my main goal, to maintain my form and do as well as I did last year. I would never have imagined I'd get 47 wickets and play all 14 games. I wasn't expecting to play even five or six because of my back injury the previous winter, so to play all 14 was amazing. I want to stay fit again to get to 50 wickets would also be really good. Tung has tapped into the experience of Steve McGoffin, who is back at New Road for a second spell. The 20-year-old added, He's been excellent to talk with. The experience he has. He's got nearly 600 wickets and having his know-how to tap into is really good. When we bowl with each other, he's really good, telling me how to work batsmen out. I hope I can have a career as long as his."
1: And now some rugby union. Magical Morven ended Droitwich's 100% league record over the last two seasons with a stunning 42 17 beating at Spring Lane. They moved within one point of the Midlands' two West South leaders who still have a game in hand. RFU Intermediate Cup finalists Droitwich's forward power met Morven's running game in front of the host's biggest crowd of the season. The visitors defending a 40-game league-winning run began strongly, but Malvern's defence was outstanding throughout. Fullback Luke Milton took them to the Droitwich 22 and a penalty try was awarded as the away skipper put in a high tackle, earning a yellow card. Spa replied with a drive-over try, but Malvern hit back as Rob Cook and Ewan Musto combined before setting Jack Curtis off to score and set up Cook's conversion. Malvern took the game to Droitwich and won another penalty which Cook slotted over to stretch the lead to 12 points. The hosts earned another penalty as they piled on the pressure and the line-out was won with play switched for skipper Tom Hale to charge through for another converted effort. Droitwich responded but Malvern held firm and a penalty led to a counter-attack with a high tackle giving Cook a simple penalty to lead 27-5 at the break. At the start of the second period, Milton caught the ball and countered with Droitwich giving away another penalty which Cook slotted over. Spar put in several attacking phases and were denied by a big hail hail hit but Malvern got caught offside and Droitwich put in a driving maul to score in the corner. Undeterred, Malvern pressured Droitwich on their own line before Jack Longley caught the clearance and went over to score. They attacked Spa down the wing where Connor Giggle ran in the final Malvern try. Droitwich replied with a late penalty try but the final whistle went to scores, scenes of joy from home players and supporters alike. Malvern Director of Rugby Rob Cook said This was very a very good win for us. We were strong in all areas, solid in the scrum and even took the ball against the head. Our line out was quality. Both are evidence of the coaching of Nick Tysdale. We also knew that if we got the ball to the backs we could cause havoc and did just that against a well-drilled defence. Droitwich are a fantastic team. Their season by any standard has been outstanding and we wish them and their supporters well for the rest of the season and in particular for the final at Twickenham. Malvern visit Earlsden on Saturday while Droitwich host Nuneaton Old
3: Edwardians. And staying with rugby union centre Ben Teo insists he's fully committed to Worcester Warriors and will see out the final year of his contract. Speculation has been circulating over the England International's future since the start of the campaign, with Bath rumoured to be interested. Leicester Tigers and Sale Sharks have also been linked with a move for Teo in the summer, a year prior to when his current deal is due to expire. However, the 31-year-old stressed he'd never finished a contract agreement with a club early and had no intention of bucking that trend. I will 100% be here next year, said Teo, who starred in Worcester's 27-13 win over Newcastle Falcons at Six Ways last weekend. I'm on a three-year contract, I'm in year two, and I'm going to do year three, and that's all I can say on that. I will definitely be with the Warriors next year. T.O. has scored four tries in 21 games for Worcester since joining them from Leinster ahead of the 2016-17 campaign. But his appearances have been limited this term due to an ankle injury sustained in October which ruled him out for several months and international duty. The New Zealand-born back recovered in time to play in all five of England's Six Nations fixtures before returning to Warriors. T.O. was not surprised by all the transfer talk in the press but said he was keen to not let it affect his game – that's just the way rugby works, said T.O., who reportedly earns £366,000 a year at Warriors. There are lots of rumours. There are people talking and clubs talking to each other. I can't control what's going on out there. All I can do is try to do well when I'm available to play. I was away on international duty when some of the rumours were coming out. I can't get involved in that stuff because I had other things to worry about at that time. When I'm back, I've just got to show commitment to play. I'm here to see out my contract. I set a three-year contract and I will finish the three years. Throughout my career, every contract I've signed, I've seen out and that's the way I like to do it. Following his arrival at Six Ways, T.O. soon gained his first England cap and he's been an ever-present member of Eddie Jones' squad. He also became the first Warriors player to be selected for the British and Irish Lions as he represented them in last summer's Tour of New Zealand.
0: On Tuesday, an article flooding subsides at Cricket Ground is Standing Water at Worcestershire County Cricket Club has mostly cleared, raising hope that the ground will be in a fit condition for the start of the season. Last week, the ground was flooded with only a small patch of the outfield not underwater at Blackfinch New Road for the club's press day on Friday. This created fears that the ground may struggle to host the first home game of the season on Friday the 27th of April against Nottingham with Kidderminster and the Royal Grammar School in Worcester touted as potential alternatives. A message on the club's Twitter feed said, the surface water has nearly all gone off the outfield at Blackfinch New Road. What a difference a weekend makes. Work on a £1.2 million scheme to prevent flooding on New Road began in January and it's expected to last 12 weeks and then this morning's paper there was an article that said they're looking for volunteers to clear the cricket ground so whether more water has appeared I'm not sure Hmm. got a similar story well not similar water story heavy (laughs)
2: rainfall made March 2018 the wettest in Worcestershire since 1947 according to a county weather expert. Frank Hill recorded 128 millimetres of rainfall at his home weather station in Malvern Link, a figure that is more than twice the average for the month. In 1947, there was 158 millimetres, which was really exceptional, and coming on top of the melting of major snowfall, it caused extensive flooding, he said. Mr Hill said that in other respects, March had proved disappointing with temperatures two degrees below average, colder than it has been since March 2013. And it's also been the dullest March for 20 years with 108 hours of rain and only 69 hours of sunshine. Mr Hill said normally in March it's 100 hours of sun and 30 hours of rain. So that is quite a reversal The heavy rain has meant that low-lying land and roads close to water courses have been at risk of flooding for several days this week. The Environment Agency issued a a flood alert for the Severn warning that the flooding is expected to continue until Friday. Um, That is last week's Friday, so... um, The river level was expected to peak, reaching levels of between 5.9 and 6.1 metres at Kempsey and between 4.6 and 4.8 metres at Saxon's Lode, further down the river. The floodgates in Upton's New Street were closed and the pumping station at Kempsey activated. Pumps were also in action at Powick to get rid of excess water at the village flood defences. West Mercia Police has defended itself against
1: accusations that money is being wasted on social media. Staff responded after a story in The Sun on Sunday found forces across the country spend up to £20,000 on social media, including tweeting. Worcester News approached West Mercia Police to ask how much the force spends on its social media accounts, but the force was unable to provide a figure. However, a West Mercia police spokesman said we encourage all officers to engage with the public on social media. This can sometimes be used for serious matters such as identification, missing people and appealing for information. Sometimes it can be used in a light-hearted way by officers. We support the use of social media as a tool to break down barriers that can exist between the police and the public and involve them in day-to-day policing. Social media is a vital tool. It is an essential part of community policing. PC Dave Wise is one officer who was shortlisted for a National Police Twitter Award for the tweets from his account at Cop That Cooks. When PC Wise was nominated for the award, award, he said, I feel that Twitter allows people to see beyond just a uniform and breaks down some of those barriers. Some of his tweets, often raising awareness of issues such as suicide, poor driving and child abuse, have previously reached thousands of people. The Sun's story said forces across the country have been spending thousands of pounds on social media while serious crimes are being unresolved. It was based on a freedom of information request by pressure group the Tax Payers Alliance. John O'Connell, chief executive of the Taxpayers' Alliance, said taxpayers would prefer their cash spent on bobbies on the beat
3: rather than offices that tweet. More than 207,000 patients across Herefordshire and Worcestershire are now securely using online services with their family doctor to request appointments, order repeat prescriptions and view their records, saving time for themselves and busy GP practices. Latest figures show a 42% increase nationally to 14 million of patients signed up at their GP practice compared to the same time last year. It means nearly 26% of patients in Herefordshire and Worcestershire, 207,000, are now registered to book appointments, order repeat prescriptions, view their patient records and see their test results using their smartphone, tablet, laptop or PC. These services are different from those offering online consultations with a GP. The NHS digital figures from February 2018 show an average of 12,000 appointments are being made or cancelled online every month in Herefordshire and Worcestershire and nearly 41,000 prescriptions ordered online.
0: The world's biggest bunny rabbit and his glamour model owner are retiring together. Annette Edward 66, who is currently the oldest UK glamour model, and her famous bunny Darius, who, at four foot four inches tall, now I'm not sure if this is a, a misprint, but it says four foot four inches tall, has been the world's largest rabbit for eight years, have decided to call it a day. Mrs. Edward of Stoughton said, We're still welcoming people to visit us both, but we will not be visiting we will not be doing any more long journeys. Darius has had an amazing career and loves people who... Sorry, but now he's getting older and he likes to relax. I've done glamour modelling for over 40 years and finally feel ready to lead a quiet life, especially after tragically losing Simon last year. Darius has two children called Jeff and Grace that are likely to overtake his size and snatch his Guinness World Record In the next few years, I'm sure they'll love the limelight as much as their dad did. Mrs Edwards plans to give advice to aspiring models and will continue to care for her eight bunny rabbits. Hmm.
2: A shortage of volunteers means a support service for cancer sufferers at Worcestershire Royal faces reducing its opening hours. The Macmillan Cancer Information and Support Service at Worcestershire Acute Hospital's NHS Trust has attracted its lowest number of volunteers in seven years. It currently has about 30 volunteers but ideally needs 40 in order to provide cover for when people are ill or unable to work. Miss Tandy said, we try to stick as close to the opening hours as possible from 9.30am to 4pm. You naturally get some loss. Some people move on for different reasons, but we are just not getting the new blood through the door. If we don't increase our numbers, we'll have to close more often, and that is very worrying for me. This is very disappointing because we need to be there as a point of contact. Volunteering has dropped across the board, whatever the field it is in. It does worry me that if the centre is to close, more often people are not getting that personal touch. Speaking on volunteering, Miss Tandy said, most people who volunteer, including those who've had cancer, really enjoy being able to give something back. It is just humbling to come and to be able to offer a little bit of support to people who are not in such a good place. But a little bit of advice can make them a bit better. We will take people of any age. Those who are very young won't have had the life experience, perhaps, but we have had young volunteers helping out with admin work. Most of the work is welcoming people as they come into the centre, being a friendly face, approachable and making people feel comfortable to talk about cancer. She added, We're not clinicians, we're just ordinary people. The service, which has two centres at the Charles Hastings Way Hospital, a third at Kidderminster Hospital and a fourth at Redditch Alexandra Hospital, is run by Macmillan Cancer Information and Support Service and Key Tandy is one of the two paid members of staff. The service helps people worried they might have cancer, support patients during treatment, and provides aftercare, including signposting other services. If you're interested in becoming a MacMillan volunteer, contact K. Tandy on 837.
1: Fears have been expressed for the future of a magnificent Georgian house described as a hidden jewel in Worcestershire. Ombersley Court, a few miles north of Worcester, was built in the early 18th century for the first Lord Sandys. It remained in the same family for nearly three centuries, but when Richard, the seventh Lord Sandys and then Patricia, Lady Sands, died without heirs in the last few years, the house was put up for sale. Described as an architectural gem with a fine collection of paintings and furniture, the Grade 1 listed house, its contents and 39-acre grounds without buildings was put on the market through estate agent Savills, country house division, last year for £3.5 million. A number of architectural and heritage charities have expressed an interest in taking on the building and opening it to the public, but it seems more likely it will be sold, or possibly even has been already, to a private buyer. Patrick Streeter, the chairman of the charity Spit. Spitalfields Trust, which saves and repairs buildings that are at risk of demolition or destruction, said the Trust had offered to look after the building and open it up to the public, but the executors of Lord and Lady Sanders' estate had preferred a cash sale. He named Worcestershire-based businessman Tim Hopkins, whose Gemini Group recently bought the Elms Hotel in Abelie, as a likely buyer. He said "Ombersley Court is a perfect example of a fine Georgian house with its contents intact. It is hoped that Mr Hopkins will prove a worthy owner. However, many of those who care for the house and its contents are nervous. The integrity of the house must be preserved and there should be worthwhile public access. The Georgian group, another heritage society, has also expressed an interest in the house. A spokesman said, We are keen to find a way to preserve this wonderful house from deleterious developments and, if possible, to preserve its contents in situ. We will continue to work with the executors and stakeholders, such as SAVE, Britain's Heritage, to find the solution. A spokesman for Gemini Group's property arm said he couldn't comment on whether Mr Hopkins had bought the house and Savills also declined to speak about whether it had been sold or the identity of any any possible buyers.
3: A Worcestershire soldier is being remembered with a wreath-laying ceremony in Gulliveld Park. The service of remembrance for Captain John James Crow of the Worcestershire Regiment who was awarded the Victoria Cross a 100 years ago, is taking place on Saturday, April the 14th at 10.45am. During the First World War, at the Battle of Lys, he was a second lieutenant in the 2nd Battalion of the Worcestershire Regiment. On the 14th of April 1918 at neuve Belgium, after the enemy had attacked a post in a village, 2nd Lieutenant Crowe, with two non-commissioned officers and seven other men, twice engaged the enemy who withdrew into the village as the lieutenant fired on them. The second time he took two men and killed two enemy machine gunners. The service will be performed by Worcester Branch of the Worcestershire and Sherwood Foresters Regimental Association.
0: The poor boy from the wrong side of the tracks who became a star only to be worked to death by an unscrupulous manager... People will be talking about the Presley legend until the end of time, but for any myth to endure and become indelibly fixed in our minds, there needs to be another element in the mix, a conduit that can further bestow true immorality. And that, without any shadow of a doubt, comes in the form of Steve Michaels, the greatest tribute to the king of rock and roll we're ever likely to see in this lifetime. Think of Elvis and it's the hip grinding that perhaps immediately springs to mind or his southern boy's quiet spoken deference. But in this King Ken sorry, in this Bill Ken Wright production, we also witness the heartbreaking fragility and self doubt of a man who's made his nineteen sixty eight television comeback and now poised to enter the uncharted territory of Las Vegas. Elvis thinks he's going to return to the days of playing country fairs from the back of the flat bed truck. But manager Colonel Tom Parker has other ideas, not least of which is a six-figure Vegas gambling habit that must somehow have to be paid for. Michaels is a magnificent performer and is so convincing that at times it really does seem that Elvis is in the building rather than lying under a cold marble slab in the grounds of Graceland. Every move rings true as the potent blend of black rhythm and blues and white Southern church connect with the force of two planets colliding, and powering the whole thing along are some truly gifted, spot-on, accurate musicians. One of whom, Nile Kerrigan, makes a fair fist, variously as guitarist. Sorry, makes a fair fist, variously as guitarist. Scotty Moore. And then James Burton, two men are more than any other to find the roots drenched magic of the Elvis songbook. This show will blow you away. Dates and locations for the tour at atgtickets.com forward slash shows forward slash this dash is dash Elvis forward slash.
2: A dad says he is sickened by burglars who stole almost £60,000 worth of goods from his home, as well as his son's baby teeth and photos of his toddler daughter. Daryl Swallow, aged 30, said the criminals also made off with his Ford Focus and Company van during the raid in Sheffield Close in Worcester, which took place while he was on holiday in Slovakia. The father of two said, On my laptop, there are photos of my two year old from holidays and things. That's the most disturbing part. They've gone through my bedside table and taken jewelry and a cufflink box which had my son's first teeth that came out. It is sentimental stuff. I can't get it back. It made me sick to the stomach. It's really heartbreaking. Mr Swallow, who works as the operations director for Lockley Homes, said his niece discovered the house had been burgled when she went to check on the family's cat. The burglars used a crowbar to break through the bifold door at the back of the house and then spent a long period of time searching the property, according to Mr Swallow. They also stole two toolboxes, a DeWalt impact driver, a drill, lots of hand tools, watches, a PlayStation 4 and a large amount of cash. Mr Swallow said, we've had this house for 11 years. There's never been any trouble, but now we feel so insecure in our house. We don't do anything to upset anyone. We would give anyone our last penny to help. All I'd say to the burglars is, I want my laptop back and the cufflink box. They are things you can't put a price on. We've had to change the locks and put some big bolts on the back door as we don't feel safe. Home doesn't feel like home at all. As soon as you hear a car pull up, you're checking the window and that's the worst feeling. But I'm the man of the house and have to, be put, and have to put on a brave face. He said his 11-year-old son, Owen, and his daughter, Bethany, are coping well with the incident. He left for Slovakia, where his wife, Maya is from, on March 27th and returned on April 3rd. The holiday was soured by finding out about the burglary halfway through the trip. Mr. Swallow believes up to four burglars raided his house at around midnight on Thursday, March 29th. He found out about the burglary from his niece on the Friday. Mr Swallow said that he hopes his insurance will cover most of the losses. He said he received some new CCTV footage on Wednesday this week, which police are now looking at as part of their investigation. Anyone with information can ring 101, quoting incident number 0193S of March the 30th. More people have railed
1: against a Worcester nail bar after it was criticised by people who say they are customers on its unofficial Facebook page. Worcester-style nails in Angel Place came under fire in 75 one-star out of five reviews on Facebook with people claiming they received poor customer service, sudden price changes and damage to cuticles, nails and fingers. On Wednesday, when Worcester News visited the nail bar to ask about the criticism, the manager, Lucy Lee, said if customers had a problem with the service they had received, staff would fix their nails. An article published in this paper on Thursday received thousands of views and dozens of Facebook shares. Since its publication, many readers who claim to be former customers came forward to defend the negative comments and reply to the manager's response. Alison Hodges said, The reviews aren't wrong, they are awful. Why would we want our ruined nails fixed by them? Do them them right in the first place. Sarah Payne said, Oh yes, staff will fix your nails with loads of attitude. I went back and she told me there was nothing wrong. While Megan Fogarty said, Never going there again, no customer service skills whatsoever. And Amanda Evis added, It's not just about the awful quality of work, but about the rude, bad manners and disgraceful attitude of staff. Customer care and service non-existent. When Worcester News returned to the salon on Thursday, manager Miss Lee declined to comment any further.
3: A cricket fanatic has made his own iron throne completely out of cricket bats. Harry Dyke, 22, who lives near Bishampton, oversaw the design of what's thought to be the first cricket chair of its kind in the UK. The chair was unveiled at Hiller's Farm Shop by world-renowned actor, BAFTA award-winning David Bradley, who recently starred in Game of Thrones. It was made entirely of oak and Gun and More cricket bats, who sponsored the project. Mr Dyke said, Me and my parents thought of David Bradley as soon as the idea came along, due to his connection with the hit series – and we were absolutely delighted with his enthusiasm towards the project and thank him for being so supportive. Gunn and Moore have been sponsors of the Bunburys since its inception in 1986, and both Peter Wright and Richard Harris are absolutely delighted with the final design. The chair has since been sent down to London and presented to David English, Bunbury Cricket Club founder and former manager of the Bee Gees. The Bunbury charity, of which Mr Dyke is a member, has now raised over £17 million for 100 different causes. The Bunbury Under-15 Cricket Festival has discovered 905 first-class cricketers and 88 past England internationals. To find out more about the Bunbury Cricket Club, visit Bunbury Cricket, Bunbury spelt B-U-N-B-U-R-Y, bunburycricket.co.uk.
0: And keeping on the cricket line, um, there's this uh, the fixtures from the Elizabethans, which is the cricket club for the visually impaired. And on Sunday, the 17th of June, is a league match against RNC Hereford Bulls. It's a way fixture, but they have no ground as yet. So it's 1pm at home. So that's the fixture for that. Um, An accolade for the Blind College, which I think is interesting, a Hereford College's residential provision has been rated an outstanding by Ofsted. The Royal National College for the Blind specialises in education and training for people with visual impairments. It was given the top grade following an inspection of its residential and independent skill provision. RNC welcomes students from across the UK the majority of whom live on campus during term time. As a result, the college is inspected twice by Ofsted, once for the standard of the education provided and once for the standard of the residential experience of the students. So congratulations to them. Uh, we're nearly at the end. Just for your diaries, the Malvin Chase Band Brass Band is holding a concert to mark the 50th anniversary of its foundation The free concert is at 7 p.m. on Saturday, April the 28th at the Chase School and will feature a premiere of a new piece of music commissioned by the band, especially for the occasion. And uh, the second item is members of the Worcester Youth Musical Theatre Group has been wished good luck for their next production, which is Seven Brides for Seven Brothers from a West End Star. The Canadian-born actor and singer Alex Gourmand, who took the lead role of Adam Pontype at the Regent's Park Open Air Theatres in 2015, production of Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, has sent the cast of Woodies, the Worcester Operate, Opera and sorry, Dramatic Society youth section, a signed photo with a special message wishing them well when they open at the Swan Theatre in July. He said Seven Brides was one of the best jobs that I have ever done. It was glorious outdoors and the whole company were amazing and we even have a WhatsApp group of the Ponty P brothers. It's a very, very special production. I'd like to wish Waddy's a successful run and I hope they have a lot of fun. It's such a love movie which sometimes seems baffling as it's set in a time so different from now. The Waddy's production of Seven Brides for Seven Brothers will come to the Worcestershire Swan Theatre from Tuesday, 31st of July to Saturday, the 4th of August. And during the production, Waddy's will be raising money for Worcester Deaf Children's Society and tickets are on 01905 611 427. The birthdays, and uh, we have one of our readers, Kate, who's very quiet here, saying that it oh, was so on the 9th of uh, April, so many happy returns just gone. And James Bowden on the 12th, so many happy returns to you, James. Anybody else who's um, who we haven't mentioned, please let us know if it's your birthday. We'd love to wish you a happy birthday. Lighting up times is 20.01 to 6.18. Um, and emergency, emergency phone numbers for out of hours, medical assistance, 6pm to 8pm, 03001233211, and the NHS number for non-emergency help is 111. Malvern Theatres, 01684892277, Worcester Live, 611429, covers the Swan and Huntington Hall. Worcester Hub number for council matters is 765765 or 722233. Crime Stoppers 0800 555 111. Our phone number is 01905767766. Our address is 11 Wilds Lane, Worcester, WR5 1DA. Our website is worcestertalkingnews.org.uk. You'll find all the recordings for the week's news and monthly magazines and much more. So tune in on that. Um, Let us have any of your feedback. We'd love to know likes and dislikes and we can make changes. Um, Just let us know if uh, you don't leave a message on the phone, then just pop uh, a note in the envelopes. So from all of us, have a great week. Thank you.